Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. Stay tuned after the Torah study for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the study. All right. Welcome, everybody. We are in, I believe, the third week of the study, but um, this is only our second week in the text, and we left off somewhere in chapter three. I don't remember exactly where, and I didn't have a chance to go back and look at the video, but it um, seems like we did talk about Adam and Chava. Um, I will pick up then... Let's see. Let's just start in verse two. I think I'm pretty sure we read that of the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, Elohim has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. All right. And the serpent says, you will, you shall not surely die. Elohim knows that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open and you shall be as Elohim, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, a delight to the eyes, and desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. That's an important phrase in my mind. The eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves girdles. And they heard the voice of Yahweh Elohim walking in, in the garden toward the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the face of Yahweh Elohim amongst the trees of the garden. And Yahweh Elohim called unto the man and said unto him, Where are you? I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree whereof I commanded you that you should not eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave me, gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. All right, so I'm going to try not to read it in too big a chunks, but and I don't want to read the whole Bible in this study, but I wanted to read that because this is an important conversation. I believe that there are principles in here that we can understand a little better that help us understand the kingdom, okay? Um God gave a command. It was very simple. We read it last week. Okay. Of the trees of the fruit, of the fruit of the trees in the garden, of all of the fruit of the trees in the garden you may eat, except for what? Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you may not eat. If you eat of it, you will die. All right. The serpent comes along and says something true. He says, but he says, you shall not surely die. For Elohim knows that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open and you shall be as Elohim. Wasn't this part of it true? Knowing good and evil? Yeah. Wasn't that true? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If we go back 
I have given you every herb yielding seed. All right, where is it? I think it's in chapter two. Yeah. Of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. You shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. All right. I swear there's another verse I wanted to read, but I can't find it. When the woman saw the tree was good for food, your eyes shall be open and you shall be as Elohim, knowing good and evil. All right. <clears throat> when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat. All right. And the eyes of them both were open and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made them girdles. So I think the point that I'm trying to make that I'm struggling with for some reason tonight is <clears throat> they did die. All right. They died spiritually, and that's the transition that we're seeing. They knew that they were naked. Okay. Their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked. What eyes are we talking about there? Or spiritual eyes. Right. I, I make a joke about it sometimes. They weren't walking around with their eyes shut, feeling things out, right? So this is clearly the point of transition. And so in, we have been given life back, right? Isn't that what Yeshua promised? Yep. Yes. That yes. when we come to faith in the blood of the Son of God, that we are given of the Ruach HaKodesh, which is life itself, and that we can then be taught by the Ruach HaKodesh and come into the knowledge of truth, right? Yes. Okay. So it is their natural eyes they were open. They were so, and I hate to say it this way, but they were so spiritual. They couldn't see their own bodies. And I, I personally believe also that they, they were in, they were in the very presence of God himself. They glowed. They were so full of God that they were light. Mm -hmm. They, they, yeah. they emitted the light of God. Mm -hmm. I personally believe that we as believers in Yeshua emit that to some degree but no one sees it with their human eyes. Are, are you with me? Yes. But I think this was such a, the state that they were created in was so different than what we are, that that's one, one reason why they couldn't see their bodies. But another reason is they didn't have natural eyes at the time. In the sense of they had eyeballs, but they were seeing the way God saw everything. And I think that's what he's talking about when he says, uh, mm -hmm. knowing good and evil. All right. Did we talk about, it seems like we went to Hebrews chapter 
six, the end of chapter five last week. Didn't we do that? Yes. Yeah, I have Ivream five. Ivream five. Thank you. Ivream, sorry. I want to just go there again. Ivream. Strong meat belongs to those who are full of age, who by reason of use have their senses exercised, having learned, learned to make a distinction between good and evil. All right. It was bad here, knowing good and evil seemed like a bad thing. But over in the Brikhanashah, Shaul is telling us that we should learn it. Why? So we can discern between good and evil. Well, yeah, he's telling us to learn that, but why does God want us to do that if uh, knowing good and evil seems oh, like a negative? That. Anybody get what I'm driving at yet? Yeah, I see what you're asking. I'm just trying to see how to answer that, if there is a way for me to answer that. Here's the part that I, here's the verse I was looking for a while ago. Back away and out of the ground. Adam, Adam, and Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. Uh, ate the, ate. Okay. You're breaking up on us, Shelly. Out of the ground made Yahweh Elohim to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The Etz HaChaim in the midst of, of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of the evil. No. All right. Can I say something? Can you hear me? Yeah. So Adam and Eve brought the knowledge of good and evil because of eating the fruit. Therefore, God wants man now to be able to discern the difference. Exactly. Bingo. And this is the verse that I was looking for. It's after, for, uh, for some reason I was thinking it was before, but it's after. It was true when Hasatan said, you shall be as Elohim, knowing good and evil, because look at what God says. The man has become as one of us, knowing good and evil. So that part was true. It was almost like it was hidden from man, but, but knowledgeable to Hasatan and to God, right? Are you with me? Mm -hmm. So part of his temptation was a truth. And... I personally believe this is what I've been driving at. I apologize for my brain not working tonight, but I personally believe that God wanted Adam and Eve to understand it, but not to experience evil in order to understand it. Oh, yeah. Are you with me? Yes. Because knowledge, dot in Hebrew, is intimacy. It's, it's, it's understanding by experience. Are you with me? Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. So 
um, there was a proper way to do it and they didn't do it. And now, yeah, they brought, good was already in the world. They brought evil into the world, which, which gives us a very simple definition of what evil is, doing what God says not to do. Is that right? Yes. yes. That's it. That's what evil is. And there are there degrees of it? Absolutely. Yes, because not all sins are equal. Some sins, all sins are bad, but not all of them are equal. Some sins are so egregious to God, he'll kill you right away. <laughs> if you belong to it, you know, uh, or, 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 you know, or should. <laughs> uh, the punishment is severe for some sins, okay? But Adam, Adam and Chava brought evil into the world by simply disobeying a simple command. God did not explain why. Hasatan knew why. Somehow he understood it, right? And he took, yes. a, he took a biblical truth and used it to entice Adam and Chava. Chew on that for a minute. Well, almost every lie has some piece of truth in it. There you go. <clears throat> there you go. And of course, Adam passes the buck. The woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And I think we pointed out last week, he was the one on whom the responsibility fell to teach her. God told her not, God told him not her, right? We established that last week, if I remember right. Yes, sir. Okay. She then turns and blames the serpent. The serpent beguiled me and I did eat. And that is true. All right. And so God punishes the serpent, curses it, causes it to go on the belly, and says he's going to eat dust for his life, for all the days of his life. So this tells me that the serpent was something other than the snakes that we know now. So in my view, there's only one species that has been modified and it is a down, it is a, it's a, it is a taking away and not a giving to, <laughs> not an adding, right? It, it, it stood, right? It devolved. It devolved, bingo. <laughs> All right. And it's the only creature that we know of that God did this to, okay? And it was a lessening, it was, a, it was devolution. All right. And then he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. I am of the mind and I agree with many other people who believe that this is a prophecy about a virgin birth to some degree. All right. Because her seed, women don't carry the seed. Mm. All right. This is the promised seed of Messiah that would come through a woman. All right. This is why we allow, we like our wives to usher in the Sabbath with lighting the lights. Okay. Because Yeshua is the light of the world. And our Jewish people have been doing that for millennia, having the woman of the home light the lights on Arab Shabbat. 
And I personally believe that that is a picture of womankind being redeemed and figuratively so in Miriam. She didn't redeem women, but she gave them a picture of redemption through the light of the world. Are you with me? Okay. And of course, the only woman to ever bear a child without the help of a man's seed is Miriam, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And of course, that person, Yeshua, bruised his head. And of course, Hasatan bruised Yeshua's heel. Everybody there? Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. And then he says, I will greatly multiply your pain and your travail. And in pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband. And Adam, to Adam, he said, because you have hearkened unto the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. So because of that, the ground is cursed for man's sake. In toil shall you eat of it all the days of your life. So now we have to labor for our food. All right. The ground is cursed. It doesn't just automatically volunteer food to us. We have to cultivate it. All right, thorns and thistles come up because of us. And the herb of the field comes up. In the sweat of your face shall you eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, and for dust you are, and unto dust you shall return. So the prediction of death is coming still. So the promise that God said you will surely die didn't go away. It's a twofold thing. I personally believe that what we witnessed when their eyes were open and they recognized that their bodies were naked, that that is the absence of the presence of God and the reality that they are now outside of his presence and also that physical body that they're now living in that they can see with their natural eyes now, it's going to die as well. It just took a while to do it. Because had they, had they stayed in Gan Eden, what would have happened? Mm. They would have lived perpetually. They would have lived perpetually, even after sin, because they had the tree of life there. Oh, yeah. Right? And no one ever said, you will die immediately. It said, you will die. He just said you will die. He didn't say you, you're, the moment you eat it, you will keel over. Okay? Look at what God says. He has become as one of us to know good and evil. If he puts forth his hand and takes also of its hachaim and eats, he will live forever. Therefore, Yahweh Elohim sent him forth from God to till the ground from which he was taken. He drove him out and placed him in the east of Gan Eden. At the east of Gan Eden, the Kerevim and the flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way to the Etz Ha'chaim. All right. And that is verse 
24. So he put him in the east of Eden. Mikedem means from the east. Okay? That's the name of that group. And if you listen to, if you had the opportunity to listen to Jamie when they were here, explain why they are Mikedem. It's because man has been driven into the east. And to return to God, you have to head back west to Israel. <laughs> okay? Or if you're on the other side of it, go east to Israel. All right? Um, we are banished from Gan Eden until we come to salvation in Yeshua. And then we can, we can already begin, begin partaking of life again, because that tree of life is figurative of Yeshua as well. All right. And he put Keravim and Lahat, Hacherif. We said this in our Hebrew study tonight. I don't know if you caught it, but that's a sword. Lahat Hacherif, a flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the way of Etzachayim. All right. So in my personal opinion, that is not just, I believe this is literal. I do believe there was a Gan Eden on earth. I do, do believe it was a place. Some of the rabbis teach that that's Temple Mount. Some of them teach that it's somewhere else. Um, I personally believe it's probably Temple Mount and Jerusalem. Uh, but that doesn't matter. Um, some people believe it's, uh, if we follow the geography that's in the, that's in the, the scriptures here, um, it has something to do with the Tigris and Euphrates, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. But there's two other rivers in that chapter one account, I believe it is, other than the Tigris and Euphrates, which we don't know where they are. Anybody remember that? Yeah, right. I think it's chapter two. Yeah, there's four rivers, yeah. There's four rivers yep. there. Here they yeah. are. A river went out of Eden to water the garden, and it became four heads. Pishon, and which encompasses Havilah, and Gihon, which, is which encompasses Cush, And then the Tigris and the Euphrates. All right. Pera, that's the Euphrates. Hidekel. Hidekel is the Tigris. All right. My point is, is all of these rivers these rivers don't, we don't know where they are. And I'm, if I'm remembering right, we don't know where Havilah is and Pishon, okay? Point being is we've had a major flood since then. So the geography could be 
extremely modified, especially since we can't figure out where these other rivers are. Moshe tells us here that it that this third one was encompasses all of Kush. Who knows where that is? Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Yeah. Okay. So, um, people have actually set out to find the Garden of Eden, obviously unsuccessfully, especially if there's a carob there guarding it, you're never going to find it. But um, I think it's more important for us to look at this on a figurative level and understand something that, so what is God blocking here when he says to keep the way to Etzachayim? What is he saying here? So they can't live forever. So, well, yeah, that's on the Peshat level for Adam and Chava because they physically knew where it was. No one, no one now does. But does my point is, is does this still exist? Well, Yeshua is Etzheim, the way to Etzheim. Okay, so if he is, what's going on here? It's a foreshadowing that he's saving it. There's only after they sinned and had to leave it and then they had to now man has to be has to have a way of salvation and that can only come through messiah that's right so what is lahat hacheret any guesses sword it is a sword. It's a flaming sword. But if it, if the tree of life is figurative, what is that? That's, that's Messiah as well, isn't it? You tell me. Well, yeah. He returns as a flaming sword. He either is salvation or he's an avenger. Well, what about this? Et hakeruvim. He drove out the man and he placed at the east of Gan Eden the Kedavim, flaming sword, to keep the way. So they're doing it together, the Kedavim and the sword. It appears to me are doing it together, right? Mm hmm. Okay. Is there something about the gospel in that? Yeshua has a flaming, you're not hearing my wife, and Eva did allude to this. Yeshua has a flaming two-edged sword, uh, coming out of his mouth when he returns, right? Yes. Okay, so... I, I could accept that it is Yeshua, but I, I but I think the more important the, the Yeshua is the Etz Hachaim here, and this to me would be more illusory toward the Word of God in some way, the spoken Word of God in some way, 
But why the Kiravim? Because this is a spiritual battle that we're in. We don't fight against flesh and bone. Where are the Kiravim important elsewhere the, in Scripture? They're over the Torah. In the they hover over the Ark of the Covenant, right? Yes. Yes. That's All right. right. So that's, that's what we're seeing here is, in a sense, we're seeing a place of uh, the source of life, of atonement, of, you know, redemption. And so, like Eva said, this is being blocked, okay, in a sense. And what we're being, what mankind is being blocked from is the salvation experience until Yeshua comes, until Messiah comes. Because we said it already, when, when Messiah showed up 2,000 years ago and breathed on those disciples, he gave them Ruach, he gave them Chaim, he gave it back to them, right? And so... Yes. Uh, that it, the way is not blocked anymore. You should that the, the way is is open now. That now that sword guides you to him in a sense. But now, but in the future, that sword is actually going to be used against people who reject the way of life. Hopefully, that came out like I wanted it to. Anybody there? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all with me? Yes. 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 Yep. Dan's rights blinded in part for all to partake of salvation. Yes, absolutely. So, so this is, this is a part of the point that I'm trying to make is this is a part of the gospel. It's a hidden part. It's kind of like when God told uh, the angels around him that, that, you know, we can't allow man to partake of it because he, he, he'd be like us and he'd live forever. Okay, um, that was a physical thing. If he partook of that tree physically, he would live forever. But it was also a spiritual thing. But God, it's this dichotomy of ideas. God wants us to understand good and evil, but he doesn't want us to experience and love and have affection for evil. <laughs> and unfortunately, we're already develop developing an affinity for it. Okay. Thoughts or questions before we move on? Okay. And the man knew Chava, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have begot, I have gotten a man with the help of Yahweh. And again, she bore Havel. That's Cain and Abel. He was a keeper of sheep and Cain was a tiller of the ground. In process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto Yahweh. What does that tell you about their lives, their knowledge, their Intellect, what does that tell you? The fact that he brought an offering to Yahweh of the fruit of the ground. That they were observing Torah. The Torah was given long before Mount Sinai. That they, yes, exactly. They understood the instructions of God. Right? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and Havel, he brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And Yahweh had respect unto Havel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had no respect. Both of them were trying to serve God in their own way, right? Or it appeared to be. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. Vayichar le Cain 
Yichar is what's get, is getting translated as wrath or angry, upset, very much. Vayiplu panav. And his countenance fell, his face fell, he, his expression fell, if you will. Um, it's a downward motion. All right. It's instead of his offering bringing him higher, the, the net result was that he descended spiritually, if you will. His, and, it, and you could see it on his face. Okay. And God said, why are you wroth? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, shall you not, shall it not be lifted up? Shall your countenance not be lifted up? Shall your status, your place in my presence be lifted up if you do well? Okay. Mm. And if you do not do well, sin crouches at the door and unto you is its desire, but you must rule over it. Meshalbo, Tim Shalbo, the Atat Tim Shalbo. You must rule over it. The Imlo Tetiv, if you do not do well, La Petach at the door, Hatat. Sin crouches at the door, Hatat Ovets. <coughs> I tried to prevent that, but it didn't work. The Alecha Teshukato to you is its desire, but you must rule over it. Tim Shal, does that word sound familiar to anybody? Mashal is proverb, right? But I don't know. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So Mishle, Deanne writes, that's the root word of Mishlim. All right. Mishle Shlomo, the, the proverbs of Shlomo. Mishlim, Mashal, a proverb, a prophetic teaching type of moment. Mm -hmm. But it, it, that's, it, that's, the expression of wisdom, if you will, and Yeshua is telling, or Elohim is telling Cain, that's how you rule over sin. You got to be wise. You got to put this past you. Teshukato. Anybody know what that word is? Have you ever heard of it? Shuk. Its desire is for you. It should be familiar to those of you, those of you who have a little bit of Hebrew under your belt. A shuk in Israel is a market. You could say 
that sin desires to exploit you. <laughs> mm. Okay. Dianu, in Israel where you buy and sell stuff, a shuk. All right. It's desire. All right. Let's look at this a little more closely. Sin crouches at the door. All right. Where was I? Okay. Lapetachatat. Rovets. Sin crouches at the door. Rovets. Stoops down, crouches, lurks. And unto you is its desire. But the root word there is almost, in my mind, exploitation. Uh, it's a greedy thing. It's a... You know what I'm saying? Yep. To desire, to long for is the lehish tokek. That's our verb right there. It's in the hitpael. To desire, to long for, but look what it's rooted in. All right. But you must rule over it. And the rule there is not malach, it's mashal. The king has to rule through wisdom. All right. A dictator just rules. Is everybody with me? Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. We all know that Cain rose up and killed his brother. And God says, where is he? I am not. Am I not my brother? Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Here we are in verse 10. Kol demei achecha achicha tzoakim alai min ha'adama. Min ha'adama. Adam is the name of mankind because he was drawn from the earth. His blood returned to the earth. And his blood cries out from the ground. What did say? What did God say about the blood? You referring to life being in the blood? Bingo. The life is in the blood. Okay. I think what Abba is alluding at here is the man Havel is still alive. His blood is spilled on the ground, and because it's his natural life that's crying out to him, right? Mm -hmm. All right, Deanne's got a hand raised. Let me see if I can figure out how to answer it. Um, the uh, sorry, Sasha, I'm talking on tour study. Um, on some of this kind of reminds me of the relationship between. Uh, the snake in Adam and how he's going to crush his head. Mm -hmm. um, 
in, in what we just read, I, I can't remember if it's um, nine or 10, uh, but something just reminded me of, of, of that. Like, hey, I can't remember what it is now. I've lost my train of thought. Um, I'm, I'm going to withdraw the question because I've done forgot. <laughs> All right. If you remember, I'll try to spot your raised hand okay. for this time. Um, so he, he says, now cursed are you from the ground, which is open her mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. So this is a further curse than what Adam already received, right? Hello. Okay. No, you're right. You're right. Okay. <laughs> I want to make sure we understand that mankind has already been cursed. This is a specific curse on Cain. All right. When you till the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto you her strength. A fugitive and a wanderer shall you be in the earth. A fugitive and a wanderer shall you be in the earth. Mm -hmm. All right. Tet kochalach na vanad. Plain and simple words. All right. And Cain said, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me out this day from the face of the land and from your face shall I be hidden and I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer and it will come to pass. Whoever finds me will slay me. And Yahweh said unto him, therefore, whoever slays Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And Yahweh set a sign for Cain, lest any finding him should smite him. And Cain went out of the pre from the presence of Yahweh and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And he conceived and built a city and called the name of it Hanoch. And unto this is a different Hanoch than the other one in chapter five. Was born Irad and and Irad begot. Mechuyael, Mechuyael, Metushael. His death will ask. And Lamech. Look how similar the names are to the next chapter. Some of you are familiar with the names in the next chapter, right? And Lamech took two wives, uh, Ada and Sila, and Ada bore Yaval, and his brother's name was Yuval. He was the father of such as played the harp and the pipe and Sila. She also bore Tuval Kain, the forger of every cutting instrument, brass and iron. And the sister of Tuval Kain was Nama. And Lamech said unto his wives, You wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man for wounding me and a young man for bruising me. If Kain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. So his dad was cursed. And avenge sevenfold, and look how he understands the multiplicity of that. What does God say in Exodus 34? Six and seven. I will visit the iniquity of the fathers unto the third and fourth generation, right? Mm -hmm. Do you see what I'm talking about? Lamech, the son of Cain, 
tells his wives, I have slain a man for wounding me. If Cain was avenged sevenfold, Lamech will be 77-fold. It's a, it's a multiplier of his father's curse, right? Yes. Anybody ever sit and meditate on these, on these dudes here? We never read about them, do we? No. We just kind of gloss over them. But look at what's happening. These are the people here. we normally skip over here. Huh? These are the people we normally skip over when we're reading. Exactly. Melanie's hitting on it. Where do those numbers, how do those numbers sound familiar to you? <laughs> 70 times seven ring a bell? Yeah, yes. yeah I, was, I was just thinking, oh, you should forgive seven times 70. Should I forgive my brother seven times or seven times or 70 times or? Bingo. Yeah, exactly. First goes, but yeah. Bingo. Isn't that the same numbers here? Yes. All right. So this is the son of Cain talking, who was the one who first committed murder. And his son understands that if he committed the same crime as his father, he gets a he gets a multiplier of his father's punishment, right? Yes. The thing that I'm pointing at is even, even these men understood deep spiritual principles. How many people think about that when they do a wrong? Mm. Are you with me? Yes. So... Can you understand maybe now a little bit why Daniel prayed the way he prayed in chapter nine? Our fathers have sinned. Mm -hmm. If this is one generation and we're already 70 times seven, <laughs> or at least adding 70 to seven, then look at how many generations went by that Daniel was worried about and praying about. Mm. And consider ourselves. I see it in my own life. I see, you know, a lot of people call this generational curses, and that's not entirely wrong. There is a principle here that I think we need to ask Abba to show us a little bit more about. And so hopefully when we go through uh, the other scriptures that deal with this, we'll understand it a little bit better. But what I wanted you to see is these guys understood this. Another thing that I've often thought about, it, look at this. He was a father of all this, such as handle the harp and the pipe. So a guitar and a flute. Um, he was His other wife bore him the, the forger of every cutting instrument of brass and iron. So he invented swords and knives and anything else that was used that way. So were they stupid men? 
No. <laughs> no. But what did God say about their their tilling efforts? There's a reason I'm asking these questions. What did God say about their efforts farming the ground? The ground wouldn't yield any produce to them. Thank you. The ground wouldn't produce for them. I, the reason I'm saying that, and I, there is no way that I can prove this, but I have a theory. And <coughs> these people were legitimate people, right? They had names. They had intellect. They were sophisticated enough at least to play musical instruments and make weapons or, or tools, okay? But they couldn't till the earth for some supernatural phenomenal reason. They understood it, but maybe their children didn't. I don't know. Did they teach their children? It looks like they did, didn't they? What's the proof they taught their children in this scripture? Anybody? He knew about the the multiplying of the curses. Bingo. If my father, if kind shall be avenged sevenfold, was he there when that happened? Oh, uh, yeah. He wasn't. He wasn't there when that happened. So daddy told him, son, I killed the man and I've been cursed. He probably said, dad, how, can, how come we can't eat greens? <laughs> <laughs> How come we have to buy our food and we can't grow it? <laughs> Are you stupid? <laughs> mm -hmm. I think there's a, I think there's some evidence of these people on earth is the point that I'm getting at. Uh, Yahweh set a sign for kind. Lest any finding him should smite him. Yahweh Yeshev Be'eretz Nod Kidmat Eden Wrong verse. Vayasem yawa lekain ot levilti hakototo. Okay. God made a sign on kain. And I personally think that it's a possibility. It's a theory that I have. You can entertain it, entertain it or call me just ridiculous. But I think one of the possibilities is that what we have interpreted as Neanderthal and as a primitive race could be kind. Mm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. It is interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. I haven't, I haven't heard anybody else. I didn't get it from anybody. I didn't, I haven't read that anywhere. You guys know me. I haven't read biblical commentary from other people for years. Um, but I have a strong suspicion that's probably who we're looking at because those are, based on what I can read, they are legitimate skeletons they, that have been found, families of them, mm -hmm. okay, who could not grow food, but who had knives and who had some sophistication, who are kin to us, very similarly kin to us. Who? So that's are you a theory. Okay. An interesting theory. So, yeah. I personally think that's maybe what we're looking at when we see these slightly deformed human bodies. They're humans is the point that I'm making. 
Um, I can't prove it. Mm -hmm. I can't, no one can disprove it though. I think, I don't think they have a way to disprove that. Um, any thoughts about that before we move on? I was just thinking that it's interesting that he, he marked him that way, but in, in the latter days, in the end days, he He's will mark his us people. in a different way. That's right. He's marking his people differently. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I do believe that was a physical sign. And I personally believe, because if you know a Neanderthal, he has a pronounced forehead and he just looks different. In my view, it's fierce compared to normal humans, right? Yes. Yeah. And if I've, if I've read legitimate material, they sort of coexisted with men. Okay. Yes. And you know that yes. I don't believe the timeline of, of most scientists anyway. I think they're screwed in the head. <laughs> yeah, they are. They also would have outcasts because they would have looked so they, uh, humans have not changed. People that look different are outcasts. Right. And uh, their DNA is very similar to ours. They are human beings. They th mankind thinks that they pre-existed us by millions of years. There's no evidence of that. And, and, uh, and if primitive societies are the marker for pre-existing us by millions of years, then why are there still primitive societies among us today? Bingo. Yeah. And we can treat them with human medicine and we can, we can give them human yeah. food and we can breed with right. them. <laughs> right. We can breed with them and not create monsters. You know, it's just ridiculous thinking in my opinion. Uh, you know, when the Europeans got here in the 1500s, they found what they thought was primitive races, but they ended up mixing with them. You, you know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. and, and, and they were years apart in their advancement, but they were completely identical medically, even though they looked different. All right, maybe that's enough. Thoughts or questions or comments? I guess the one thing I'll say is, uh, not to get too far off of um, Torah, but it's funny how they use all those different things like uh, carbon dating and all these different things. Um, and they, they put these theories out there, but none of these things follow actual scientific principles, like the scientific exactly. process. Exactly. You know? And they don't present them anymore as theories. They present them as fact. Right. Yeah. They don't present them as theories. And you're, you're exactly right. That is, a, that is an egregious violation of scientific principle is to call something a fact before it has been proven in a lab. Right. Via the scientific process, the, the, the scientific method. The scientific method requires repeatability. You have to prove it with repeatability and they, don't, they can't do it, but they call it fact. Okay. Are we ready to move on? At the end of that chapter, it's just uh, the beginning of Adam having children, going back to Adam having children, but we're going to hit that again. Okay. And that is Shet, the second named son of Adam. Okay. 
what I want to say, let me back up a little bit. No, it's going to be in here. Okay, I don't have to back up. Okay, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that Elohim created man, in the likeness of Elohim made he him, male and female created he them. And he blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image. It appears to me that Cain, or I'm sorry, yeah, that Cain is the firstborn. And that's probably everybody's understanding, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. All right. And Adam lived 130 years and begot the son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Shit. So here, Havel is gone. We revisit. I, I wanted to back up and see how old he was. I don't know that it says how old he was. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't say how old he was when he bore Cain. But he was 130 years old when he bore Shet. The point that I'm making is we don't know how many sons he bore in between. Yeah. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. yes. Cain was the firstborn, <laughs> I believe. I believe we can derive that from the text. If anybody disagrees, show me. I don't disagree. What I would say is this. If he just got Chava... They fell. I don't know when they did what they do <laughs> yeah. before or after the fall, but it, it couldn't be that far younger, older than Adam. Right. That's the point that I'm making. And, 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 and Cain took women with him. They were probably sisters. That's the point that I'm making is... You don't, you don't go for 130 years without some bedtime with mama. He was a fully grown man the day he woke up with his eyes, right? He was a fully grown man when the fall happened, right? Mm -hmm. And right after the fall, they got pregnant. Are you tracking with me? Mm -hmm. And not so long after that, he kills his brother in the process of time, it says. And when he killed his brother, see, we think of everything being fresh and brand new, but the world is at least 30 some odd years old because he's got children and wives, right? Right here. Are y'all there? Yes. Yep. Okay. Mm. My point is, is other children were born before Shet. Some people think that Adam only had three sons. 
<laughs> All right. He begot sons and daughters. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. Sons and daughters, yes. All right. Their wives came from somewhere. People think it's freaky. To us, it would be, and it would be wrong to do because God has since told us, don't do that. <laughs> okay. But where else is he going to get a wife? Yeah, choices are pretty limited in them days. The choices were limited, but here's the thing. The DNA is not as messed up then mm. as it is now. Right. Okay. And so it's a different race in some ways. It's the same humanity. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's not as corrupt. Entropy. Entropy. Bingo. We've gone through 6,000 years of entropy since then. Uh, devolution, <laughs> if you will, since then. <laughs> uh, so that's the point that I'm making is that in these texts, you have to see other things that are not said. They're just, but they're there. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. Okay. He lived 930 years. So, and he died and Shet lived 105 years and begot Enosh. All right. We don't know that that was his firstborn. We just know that in the 105th year, he begot Enosh. Oh, uh, yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. There could have been 20 other kids before him or more. Ain't nobody going to be yeah. married for 100 years yeah, right. or 70 years and not have <laughs> children. It's the first thing you want to do when you get married, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the point that I'm making. So the population is building quickly. These people live for a long, long time and breed every year. <laughs> Women, how would you like to have babies for about 800 years, 600 years? <laughs> oh, uh-uh. <laughs> uh, everybody knows, I, I think I'm going to walk through it for future people who uh, don't know this yet, who might watch this video, but everybody knows because I taught it recently, the meaning of these names, right? Yes, sir. All right. So what I'll do is I'm going to make a document so people can see it. All right. Make sure I don't skip anybody. Who's next? Shit, right? Enosh is next. Somebody check me as I go. Kenan. Mahalalel. You ready? Hanoch, Hanoch, 
מתושלח, למך. And Noah, is that all of them? I didn't skip anybody, did I? I didn't see that you did. I'm going to blow it up and make it bigger to see here in a minute. <clears throat> Adam, Shet, Enosh, and who's next? Kenan. Um. And Mahalalel. Yared. And Hanoch. And Metushalach. And Lamech. And Noach. All right. I'm boring y'all. No. Man. Who remembers this one? Um Thorough. I was appointed. Set? Oh, no, appointed. I don't know why I did that. The bracketed are just to make it grammatically sensible. for a better word for this. 
what's in my head. The original definition that I had is disquieted, tumultuous, uh, troubled, I think. All right, do you see that? Yes. Man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed of God will come down, teaching that his death shall bring the disquieted or troubled comfort or rest. To me, that's amazing. It is amazing. That is incredible. Okay. Those are the meanings of those names. And I don't think there's a coincidence. I don't think one word is in the scriptures without purpose. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to seek it out. That's why someday I want to do a study of these guys that we just looked at over here. Look at there. We had Lamech. Lamech. We had Mechuyael. We had another Hanoch. Hmm. All right, we had Cain, Hanoch. So maybe I will try to do that before next week and try to get back to you. And because I know some of the meanings of these, and I can kind of figure the meanings of others, but I don't want to be presumptuous. But uh, I think there's something to that the fact that it's some of the names are the same as what we have here. One of them is very sim similar, Mahalalel and or Metushalach. There was one like Metushalach. Where is it? Metushael. Metushael, yeah. All right. His death shall ask. What is mm -hmm. that about? If I'm reading it right, let me look at it in the Hebrew. It's in verse 18. Yeah, his death blast for his asking, okay? So maybe there's a counter-flood story right there, all right? Mm -hmm. Perhaps these are the ones who took under themselves wives, and maybe they bred more than this line did. I don't know. You know? I think it's worth something worth looking into, though. That'll be so. And I'm wondering why, also, why did he give uh, the names of Kain's, was it Kain's wives on this one? Kain's sons and their wives. Uh, it's his son's wives, Lamech. Yeah. Yeah, the name was, uh, is that Ada? I can't really read that. Uh, Ad Ada and Sila, yes. Right. Yeah, why those two wives? What you know, and they went east of Eden, but we don't, we can't fix Eden on a map very well, right? So, uh, but where did his sons go? Did they stay there? We don't know. Neanderthal was found up in France, I believe the first one was right. Yes, and and then in maybe Germany, Eva, or they did they find him in Germany? Yeah, yeah. they found. Oh, he got his name in Neanderthal. Yeah, that's German. Yeah. Yeah, but France and Germany are, you know, right next door they to each all, other. Yeah, it was all one at one point. They were all... Yeah, it was the Gauls. Uh, yeah. 
if you read the conquest of the Gauls by Julius Caesar, you see that they kind of were just back and forth with each other all the time. Uh, even then. And they were, they were fierce. <laughs> it tickles me. <laughs> Julius Caesar was a little bit afraid of the Germans. The guys on the east side of the Rhine, I should say. <laughs> they were the most fierce. But, um, but I personally believe that's who we're looking at here is, is their descendants. And I think that's pre-flood stuff that they found. Um, can't prove it, but I, I don't think it's a bad theory either. Okay. But this chapter five to me is, uh, is something to really, really consider. Right. And it makes those baguettes a little bit more fun, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> yeah. When you're doing it in Hebrew, it's just a little bit more fun, <laughs> especially when you know Yeshua <laughs> and you see the gospel story there. Okay. Uh, another good exercise to do that I have done, and I didn't think of it. I should have thought of it. Let me see if I can find it right quick. Where would I have put it? It's an exercise I did years ago. Let me see if I put it in here. It's probably under miscellany, maybe. Mm. I'll have to find it, but I'll just tell you what it is and then. I'll see if I can do a search for it. I should have thought of it. I wish I had. Uh, and that is the numbers between 5-1 and 5-32. There's several things that you can arrive at by these numbers. First of all, you arrive at the fact that there are roughly, I think it's 1,149 years I want to say that's the number between Adam and Noah. And that's Adam giving birth to Shet. There's 1149 years between there and Noah. Okay. If I remember right, I'm doing that from memory. So don't, don't shoot me 1150, something like that. Um, but what you can also arrive at is how much they might've reproduced. Because you're given oh. the fact that they bore all the way up into, he was 130 years old when he had Shet. So that's potentially 100 kids if he had one a year. Mm. Or more oh. because how many sets of triplets have we already seen in the Bible and twins? Okay. Yeah. So... so um, it, we set parameters, me and an engineer, this guy runs an oil company now, we, we set parameters on how long they might have produced 
you know, at what age they might have started producing humans and how long they might have done that. And we made those things. And I have the spreadsheet. He sent it to me. I don't know if y'all remember. It wasn't too long ago, within a year and a half at least, that I asked him for it. And I told you he sent it to me. He did send it to me. So I have it again. And you can play with the numbers and see the possibility of how many humans might have been on Earth. What was it on the low end and on the high end? The low end was eight billion. Mm-hmm. Eight billion? Eight billion. We're not wow. even there yet. We're not even back there yet. It's been 6,000 years and we're not there yet. Wow. <clears throat> we're tapping on it, but we're not quite there yet. The high end was 30 billion, if I remember right. Yeah. I'll never forget it because Doug did the math. I called him from Chevron to the oil company he was working for, which I think at the time was Exxon. <laughs> and I said, can you do this? And he said, oh yeah, that's a blah, blah, blah formula. And I was like, I don't care what you call it. <laughs> I just need, I just need the math done. <laughs> but he knew it right away. He said, yeah, I'll get it worked up. You know, and we talked about all the parameters and he said all the parameters in there and did all the math. We had a little slider and there was the bottom number and there's the top number. And we got the same exact calculation that a guy named Henry M. Morris got. And I'll write that down for you. I'll even put it in the chat. Um, is that direct, Deanne, or is that group? Uh, group. That's group. Okay. You just need to make sure it says everyone. I think it does. Uh, why won't it go? It won't go. Though. For some reason, it's not letting me send it. Dang it. Go gadget sender. Uh, there we- <laughs> yeah. You won't let me do it. Oh, anyway, anyway. There's, there's two Henry M. Morris's. One is junior. You need the one that is senior. He made – I got a bug in here driving me bananas. He made, uh, he made the same calculation and came up with the same bottom number. I don't know if his top number, but what happened was I called a friend of mine and asked him, how crazy are we? And this friend is a genius who taught me the feasts 25, probably closer to 30 years ago. And uh, – I called him about it and he said, oh, yeah, Henry Morris came up with with eight billion. Thank you, Deanne. It's in the chat now. Um, so. Did you, did you say it was or was not a junior? It is. I see it now. Okay. Hopefully everybody does. So. So Henry Morris is a creationist. And he mm-hmm. was a former evolutionist, not just a cheesy evolutionist, but a leading evolutionist theory guy who who participated on the wrong side of the Scopes monkey trials. Does anybody not know what those are? What that was? I do not. Okay. I think Mm -hmm. it was Tennessee. Don't hold me to it, but it's it's been 30 years since I've studied it. But back when evolution became a thing, I want to say it was a state of Tennessee. I'm not sure had the first trial because somebody was teaching it in the school system. And uh, that may be junior there, Jim. I don't know if that's junior or senior that you put the link to. Thank you, senior. Okay. I hope it is good. Thank you. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, well, 
Well, real quick, uh, is it junior or senior? Because I think Deanna's put you want the junior in the chat. No, I want the senior. You want the senior. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Um, so he participated. And, and again, guys, this is 30 years ago that I've studied all of this. But he participated in uh, the Scopes Monkey Trials, which were, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, were the first trials about teaching evolution in schools. And he was on the, 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 the wrong side of it, meaning he supported evolution. And he was a believer. And that's why a lot of people jumped on board with it and said, okay, you know, okay, we can reconcile this with the Bible. Okay, we'll do it. And he regretted that decision. If I'm remembering the story right, he regretted that decision. And, and But what I know is true is he eventually became a creationist, which meant, and he spent the rest of his life trying to fix his blunder and created what uh, Jim put there in, in the link there, the Institution for Creation Research, to get scientists together to study the issues and, and do true science in regard to uh, origin theories and stand against all this junk science that the mainstream is putting out there. And uh, there are other organizations like that. I tend to favor ICR.org, maybe just because that's the one I studied 30 years ago, but it's worth visiting if you get into those discussions and you want to pursue those discussions. Um, there's a lot of good information on ICR.org, but I encourage you, I had two of Henry Morris's books, The Dad, The Senior, uh, they kept getting borrowed and I'd buy more copies and I, I don't have them anymore. Um, one of them I think was called creation science. Uh, I can't remember, but both of them are very good and they help you understand why six day age, six day creation and, and short age or 6,000 year age of, of the earth is legitimate science and not hokum. Evolution is hokum. All right. And, but they're very good at tap dancing around the issues and painting it as science. And they've said the lie often enough and everybody believes it now. Okay. So it was, it was based on this stuff right here where Doug and I came up with our numbers for how many people might've died in the flood. And the number that we got, if I'm not mistaken, was 8 billion at the minimum at the bottom. That blew Doug's mind. I was that's that's what I started to tell you. He called me. He said, "How's that possible? Because where are you going to put that many billions of people on the Earth that we live on?" And I said, "Doug, it was a different Earth. Why was it different? We're we're about to read that, but why was it different? Can anybody guess?" Because we didn't have the the oceans that we have now. Bingo. Most of the water in the oceans, or I can't say most, but a lot of the water that is in the ocean now was in the sky back then. In the firmament. That's right. So, which meant there was probably more land available on Earth at this time. All right. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the Earth and daughters were born unto them. When did they begin to do that? Right after they were kicked out of Eden. Yeah, and look at the first one we visit. The beginning of men multiplying is with Cain. 
saying that? No, say it. Because we're going back, like we're looping back to flesh exactly. out that story. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, that daughters were born unto them. But look over here. Began man. You could go back to Adam with that, right? Because this is the beginning of men multiplying, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. And you could change that verse in the English and say, when Adam began multiplying on the face of the earth and not be wrong. What changes it? Why does it, why do we put men? Plural. plural. I don't know. Not plural. No. More, most literal way to do it would be The man. Mm. What did you just learn in the Hebrew lesson <clears throat> about that letter? The hey mm -hmm. represents the man. Yeah, man holding his hands up or something. No, you did learn that, but what else? What's the more important, the grammatical feature it has? The uh, direct object or point. No. As it is a. It the, means the. <laughs> it's this specific article. Yeah, uh, yes. Yeah, I knew you were thinking of it, but you just couldn't put the words together. No. It's the specific no. article, the. You could literally translate that when the man began to multiply on the face of the earth, and it wouldn't be wrong. You see the point that I'm making? Anybody? Well, and daughters were born of them. What you got? I'm just trying to figure out why we have it translated men when the Hebrew says the man. I'm still I'm still hung up on that one. I see where it says it, but why why is it translated when men instead of when the man? Because you're gonna see ha Adam in in context and learn that it does sometimes mean mankind. Okay. 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 So you can't be, sometimes you cannot be too literal or you get too narrow with your wording. So I do believe the point that I'm making is I do believe that it is, it is a generalization and it is speaking mm -hmm. about men. But my point is, is that that began with Adam. Okay. I got you. Adam had the first daughters. They married Cain. All right. But some time had to go by before we get to this state where the sons of Elohim saw the daughters of men that they were fair. And they took unto themselves whoever they chose. Okay. And this, I don't know how long we may not finish this tonight because the reason I'm going so deep, this is supposed to be a Bible survey, but these are foundational texts. <laughs> These first six chapters are foundational stuff, and I really want you guys to understand them, okay?
So that's interesting because Tovot has no Vavim in it. Right there. What she's talking about is the letter Vav. There should be two of them in there, right, Deanne? Yep, it looks after spiritual. the tet and after the vet, after the vet. But what she's saying is this is diminished. Two vavs are missing. Okay. Vayiru Vneha Elohim, the sons of God, saw. That's what that says right there. Et Benot Adam, the daughters of mankind. Ki tovot. It says fair over here, and that's not a bad translation. Tovot, though, is rooted from tov, which means good, more accurately, probably perfect. Okay. And that was that that looks like Hine only without the right spots underneath it. <laughs> yeah, it's that's uh, to me, that's kind of like high Hebrew. Hina them. We don't yeah. get that in our list of pronouns, right? No. Hen and hen we get, but we never get henna. What, what she's talking about, and this is difficult to express to, if you haven't studied Hebrew, and you guys, as far as I know, haven't gotten to the pronouns yet. Some of them you probably know. Uh, who, he, him, hen. Who is he, he is she, him is them, hen is them, but hem is masculine and hen is plural. I'm sorry, feminine. But here, There's hen has plural. a hay on the end of it. And so that does look a little weird. It's okay. like extra spiritual. Yes. <laughs> Especially without those uh, little standing men in the Tovot. Um, exactly. Exactly. And, oh, oh, and there's a whole bunch of Tov um, under um, chapter one. Mm -hmm. So and what she's referring to is Vayira Elohim et Hashemayim. And I probably butchered that, but God saw the heavens and they were good. Okay. And each time that tov was written, it had a vav in it. Here it's plural. It should have two vavs in it. That, that's what she's talking about. Two righteous men are missing. All right. So the sons of Elohim have been diminished because they're looking at women in a wrong way. All right. The Yikahulahem Nashim wives from whom ever they chose. So what that means is they took as many wives as they wanted. They didn't make a formal process of it, it sounds like. They didn't honor marriage in and of itself. There was probably multiple wives. It may have, been, in my mind, it is sleeping around because look at what God says just a little bit later. The wickedness of man was great in the earth and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Is that where it says Hamas? No, no, no. No. Rabbah ra'at ha'adam ba'aretz v'chol yotzer machshabot libo rak ra kolayom. 
Rak, Ra, only evil every day. Which means they desecrated the Sabbath with their minds. The thoughts of his heart were only evil every single day. Can thoughts be intentions as well? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So let's back up a little bit. And this is going to be tricky because there's bad doctrine around these verses. And that's why I'm slowing down and hitting on them a little bit. Beneha Elohim, the sons of God. We have to narrow down who that is at this point, right? Go ahead. Say what you've heard. <laughs> Those angels had sex with the women and there were giants in the land. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> That's where everybody goes. And one of the reasons people go there is because of Hanoch, the book of Enoch, which Enoch did not write, by the way. How do I know that? Because he was raptured. He was taken out. He was not solved. He was raptured. He was gone. There's no paper in heaven. <laughs> and there was a big flood. <laughs> there was a big flood. And I'm pretty sure that if you check the math, that Noah did not know Hanoch. Let's check it. If we can, if we can do it quickly. We can back up from Noah. Hanoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. Methuselah lived 187 years and begot Lamech. Lamech. Lamech lived 182 years. So 182, somebody get out a calculator, 182 plus 187 plus 65. What do we get? <laughs> 431. 438. I got three different numbers. <laughs> 182. <laughs> okay, we're adding 182. Somebody using in Chinese calculators? Tell me the numbers again. <laughs> oh, I didn't put 187. I put 184. It's in the same row. Oh, I mean, My wife numbers. is saying 424. 65. 6065. 434, she says. She heard 55 the first time. So it's, so it's four, 400 some odd years, right? Yes. From Hanoch giving birth to Methuselah, and he lived 187 years. All right. How old was he? So he was, he walked with him 300 years after he begot Methuselah. So, we need just to add 
187 and 182. What is that? Three sixty nine. Huh? Three sixty nine. There it is. Hanoch is gone before Noach is born. Are you with me? Hanoch walked with Elohim after Matushalach was born three hundred years. And Methuselah was 187 years old when he begot Lamech. And it took 182 years for him to bear a son. That's more than 300 years. Are you making, are you getting the point that I'm making? Maybe, maybe Enoch wrote a book and handed it to Noah and it traversed the flood. I can't say. I kind of doubt it. I think some lore and some truth came through the flood and later got written down. And the reason I say that is because, yes, the Brit Hadashah quotes the book of Hanoch, but it doesn't make it biblical in the sense of divinely inspired. So let's revisit what makes something divinely inspired. Writings, what makes a writing, a written book, what we call canon or divinely inspired? What are our criteria for that? Got to be a prophet. Got to know who the writer is. It's got to match the rest of scripture. Bingo. Those are the three primary things. It has to be a named prophet. And he has to have written the book. And it has to match the rest of scripture. And Hanoch does not, doesn't meet all those criteria because Enoch lived before the flood and the earliest copy of it is far removed from the flood. Are you with me? So what happened was the traditions around Enoch probably got written down in the times between the Testaments. And so they became part of Jewish literature, but it wasn't divinely inspired. So it's somewhat historical, but there's parts of it that are not, not true. All right. And I think one of the things that make it not true is this, some of the angelology, if you will, the study of the angels that is in it. And there is some in there. All right. And the reason that people take Ben HaElohim, B'nai HaElohim, and call these, these, people here who married daughters of men, they think it's a contrast. The sons of God married the daughter of men. It looks like a contrast there. But doesn't Yeshua say, haven't I called you gods? Do you remember that? All of your gods in, in Elyon, but you shall die like men or think is that what we read every day, so something like that. We read a psalm. I think it's one of the dailies. We don't read it every day. We read it once a week, right? Once a week, yeah, once a week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
B'nai Elohim, or, or Elohim Atem. You are gods. But Yeshua quotes that and says, you, you're upset because I say that I'm the son of God? Doesn't the scripture call you God? Are you with me? So who are the sons of God here? B'nai Elohim. I want to say the, the the men who were righteous, but apparently they weren't righteous in this passage. So right. couldn't find what I was looking for. I, I was hoping I could do it quick, but I can't. But mankind is also referred to as sons of God. All right. So people think that people think that when this says B'nei Elohim, that it's talking about angels. That's the big myth that's going around that angels bred with women, the sons of man, and that we got this as a result. But that's not what this text is saying, even on the surface of the text. Let's, let's say that those are angels. Let's they go can't on reading. Produce. What's that? Angels cannot produce. Bingo. And I was going to get to that. Yeshua tells us that in heaven, messengers, angels, uh, do not are neither male nor female. They're neutered. And Dan writes, they don't have the equipment. <laughs> <laughs> Which is absolutely true. Go ahead, Dan. So there's another thing. So there's no blood in heaven. Bingo. Okay. So you have to have blood in order to do the DNA thing and do the... what. The, where the cell division happens. Exactly. You have to have blood. They don't have any. That's, right. <laughs> That's an earth thing. That's basic <laughs> science, isn't it? Yeah. That's 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 basic science. You know, and Yeshua comes out and says it like Eva was pointing out. Yeshua said it. In heaven, man will be like the angels who are neither male nor female. And so to put sexual sexuality on angels is just ridiculous. And people are doing this and creating this whole doctrine. And now they're saying, so let's go on and read. The sons of Elohim saw the daughters of men and that they were fair and they took unto themselves wives wherever they chose. And Yahweh said, my ruach shall not abide in man forever. For that he also is flesh. So the cause of God saying that is this. And look who he addresses. You get my point? 
Yes, he, he's talking about men. He's talking about men. <laughs> he's not talking about it. He's upset with men who are taking women as they see fit, haphazardly, instead of marrying and doing what he said in the garden. What did he say in the garden? The two shall what? There'll be one. Shall become one flesh. They shall, for this reason, man shall leave father and mother, the davak leishto, and I might have messed up the Hebrew a little bit, but davak, cling to, cleave to his wife, all right? That was, Deanne, put the word down there if you want to snag it. That was, the command is to take a wife and cleave unto her, one, and become one flesh with her. They weren't doing that. God is not mad at angels here. If he, if angels had could have done that and done it, God would have been mad at them. But it wasn't them who did it. It was man who did it. Are you with me? Yep. Yeah, that clears a lot up right there. Yeah. And then, and Yahweh said, my ruach shall not abide in man forever for that he is also flesh. Therefore, he's, he is a son of God, but he is also flesh. All right? He is flesh. All right? All right. I was going to say that uh, how is that so hard to understand when everybody in the world says our father who art in heaven, <laughs> you know? And exactly. Yet, yet the, exactly. the whole People make it hard. Oh, that's, that's true, Joe. I've, I've never, I've never looked at it from that perspective right there. Referring to Abba as, as the father, Abba father, or daddy. Right. right. But, yeah. That, that's, <laughs> Which makes us what? Sons, it's multiple right. points. Right. Which makes us, makes us sons. Yeah. All right. There's multiple angles that disprove that, though. It's, it's funny. Yeah. And I, sh therefore, shall his days be 120 years. So I believe from this point, God gave Noah 120 years, but I also believe that he, he's, he's begun to limit the life of mankind. All right. And, I, and you guys know that I also believe that this is prophetic concerning the world week. Right. Yeah. And we'll visit that next week and we'll have to pick up here next week. The Nephilim were in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of Elohim came in unto the daughters of men and they bore children to them, the same were mighty men that were of old, the men of renown. So Nephilim, that's this is where they get all spooky. And so there are people, I had a conversation with a, a so-called believer about this who posted a, a, a meme that I saw before Facebook existed way back in about 2008 or maybe even earlier. I can't remember exactly when, but it was on just on the internet at that time of these overgrown skeletons that were supposed to be Nephilim 
with men standing down in a hole and the, the skeleton looked to be about 20 feet tall, you know, a big old <laughs> gigantic head. Look what was found in Greece. If that had been, that would have been on every news station. And somebody said that and said, do you think the news today would publish something like this? Well, dude, guess what? That, that picture came out about 15 years ago when there was a little bit of integrity still left in the media. <laughs> you know, so they didn't report it then. <laughs> they didn't report it then, and they're not going to report it now. But and and it's clearly a doctored photo. Okay, so uh, but the point is, is that people are running around saying that Nephilim means giant, and it does not. Nephilim comes from this word right here, nafal, which means fallen. Ah. Uh fallen Deanne put it in there in English and Hebrew for you if you want to snag it in the chat box nafal it means fallen alright so the, the fallen ones were in the earth in those days who are they these are these men who are disregarding the word of God they're no longer sons of God they're fallen they're doing whatever they want. They think only evil all the time. That's who they are. And they are men of renown. On She Hashem. What did we learn just last Shabbat? And the Shabbat before that about making a name. Reputation. They want to be somebody. They got they they, they they're gonna be impotent. They're gonna look impotent. <laughs> Well, we got already among us now. What are you talking about? I know. Everybody, they want to be the guy. They want to be the one everybody looks at, the one everybody honors. And, you know, that's what that is. It's reputation. Okay. They went out to make a name for themselves. They went out to become somebody. That's what this is talking about. It's not some spooky half-breed race that's going to rise again or that lives on Mars. I've heard it all. They think these people live on Mars now. They left before the flood. They weren't destroyed. They live on Mars. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Suppose they found one in Afghanistan, the giant Gandahar, or however you say it. Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of junk out there. And all of that stuff is for division and deceit. It divides the body of Messiah. It gets people talking about stupid things that do not matter, don't count towards salvation, and actually take you off the beaten path and make you lose the, the focus of God. You can't see spiritually anymore, and you don't understand prophecy. You don't understand it when you follow that garbage. It's ridiculous. Well, and like right there, the... the says they were men of renown and a lot of people point see they were men of renown dude go get a dictionary see what that means that's that's not even a hard one there ah yeah they just you know they wanted to be they wanted to be the guy they were just they wanted that what you got dan and and that's what it is we were talking about entropy and the bodies were different than they were now well so have all of our abilities to communicate. I was just kind of putting in the chat where memes are, are actually a piece of 
visual communication where you don't have to say nothing, but it sure does get a reaction out of a lot of people. The same thing with our words. Like Joe was just saying, well, have you looked at a dictionary lately? You know, what does renown really mean? You know, but people aren't doing that. Kids are not getting taught that. And all of this is snowballing faster than anything. It's crazy. And, And I was just telling Sasha today, I said, dude, we're living in a time where history is happening on the hour. And we can, we only have one thing we can go to. And that was one thing I was going to say is, you know, I've, I've looked at other people's stuff. I've, I've looked at other teachers and stuff like that. And it's like, there's a reason why you should really only sit under one person. And, and you, honestly, Daniel, that's why I'm here is because your stuff's proven. (laughs) <laughs> because you use the word to do it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I appreciate that. I really do. Because, you know, it, it, it's frustrating to teach and teach and teach and teach and then have so many people go feed from pig troughs, you know, and then and then come back and I have to clean it up. I have to wipe their face and clean up their mess. You know, it, it's it, but it is it's getting ridiculous out there. And and the the the, the amount of deceit and the the, the overlooking Look at how critical, how, how many of you guys think that that word right there was hypercritical tonight? Yeah, that was, that was like the hint of the, uh, the linchpin of the whole thing. Exactly. One little three-letter word, four letters in, actually three in Hebrew, but te- technically four letters in Hebrew. And, and that's well, even it, knowing uh, what the word Nephilim really means, where it comes from. That's not even without knowing any of that other stuff. Well, right. the, the Adam, actually, you shorten it with the, take out the Aleph, and there you have your blood that proves your thing with the um, B'nai Elohim are not angels. <laughs> That's right. What she's talking about is Adam is red blood, or the blood of God, and together, Adam means red, but... And then Dom, just Dom, dom is, own, blood. is blood. Yeah. Hmm. So but but to me the fact that it is man that he deals with after this happens that's the linchpin to me. And that's a tiny word that just that people who who believe that garbage just they just overlook it. They don't even see it, can't see it. <laughs> so anyway we've gone a tiny bit long uh hopefully you got something out of it um any questions before we close with prayer amazing all righty avina malkano in the name of your son yoga yeshua Mashiach. we give thanks for your word we ask you to correct our error and we ask you, Abba, that you teach us your truth. And we do ask, Abba, that you proliferate this truth to your people as, as much as you would have it. And we, we do ask that you redeem your people, that you, that you call out your people out of, out of darkness and into light, and that you show them the simple truth of your word and hold them to your word. And we thank you for it. And uh, we ask that you be with us until we assemble again uh, on Shabbat in your name and with your son. Amen. Amen. All righty, let me shut down the video or the recording.
I can get my controls. Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. In the description, you'll find all the links to our website and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description. All proceeds go toward growing this platform and the Mikdash Mayat ministry. Till the next time, we pray God blesses you with shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.